Hi guys, Al here. Just wanted to give you a bit of an update of what's happening with the podcast before I introduce this episode. So basically, I had a plan to do Series 2 earlier this year, uh, and then the COVID-19 shit hit the proverbial fan, and my plans kind of went out the window. I must admit, I wasn't sure about doing a coronavirus special. Lots of them were going around already. So many of the stories been shared online were all related to the virus or the lockdown. So I decided to shelve it for a while. And then everything became about um, about race and the protests, the riots, Black Lives Matter, all those kind of things. And I felt that I wasn't the voice to be getting involved in that conversation at the time either. I wasn't confident enough to do so. So again, I, I delayed things again. And and now I'm at the stage of not quite knowing what how to start up again. But because I'm the kind of guy who's always coming up with random plans, uh, I had some new ideas coming to my head in this period um the first of which was a a new podcast idea where i not being an expert myself teach someone who is an expert how to do their job uh it's kind of a jokey thing called sucking eggs uh really simple i just thought i'd do a, a few, you know a few minutes at a time something simple to keep me going until we got back to to ministry of sweeping and then uh then i started to miss aspects of ministry of sweeping i started to miss aspects of my previous podcast De Piazzati. and then another idea popped into my head which is what's going to be happening moving forward so it's to me it's the perfect podcasting solution it's called the bear cave and other podcasts and it's going to be a mashup of all my previous podcasts uh, and some new podcast ideas some other people's podcasts and some completely made up podcasts that only exist as small elements of this podcast so Anyone who is uh, familiar with Depiet Society, we used to do uh, The Weird Week That Was and Best and Worst were two features that we did on that, that podcast. So we looked at the weird news stories from the week and we kind of did reviews of things that have happened that week. Not necessarily films and books, but it could be anything. So I'm taking those, plus I'm taking the fact check quiz and just generally the overall usual aspect of Ministry of Sweeping and I'm kind of merging those things all together into this new podcast and along that will be the the sucking eggs thing that i mentioned uh, and also interviews that i'm doing with people and guest podcasts so um for example last night i recorded a guy came on did an interview talking about his podcast and then we're going to show a clip or play a clip of his podcast as part of the overall thing so moving forward after this episode you're about to listen to ministry of super will continue to exist in, in small bite-sized chunks as part of another podcast but i will continue to release the ministry of sweeping elements of that separately on this feed as mini episodes until such time as we do another full series of this uh, i'm aware it's been a long time since i posted anything on this feed so hopefully there's still a few of you out there listening uh, but uh that's what we're going to do you'll you'll get many episodes on this feed if but if you like the overall sound of the whole becky and other podcast look that up we're on anchor anchor.fm forward slash bear cave and once we've released we'll be on all the usual places as well or you could go to albear.uk forward slash cave that's a-l-b-e-a-r albear not albear as in the fifth musketeer albear.uk forward slash cave uh, and you can find out all about that podcast so anyway thank you for the, listening to that now let's get into the episode that's coming up this is a special sporting myth episode that was recorded live um, in Southampton as part of Superpod 2020 which you may remember I mentioned on previous episodes as a podcast festival that I was organizing in aid of sport relief 
Now we raised just about 543 pounds, I think it was, that weekend. Uh, and lots of great podcasts came down, lots of great guests. Uh, we had a lot of fun. There wasn't a huge turnout because it turned out to be a little bit before lockdown in the end. So people were already, I think, starting to get a bit wary about going out to bars and things like that. But uh, we had a lot of fun and hopefully we'll do something like it in the future. So my guest for this one is Dr. Squee from the Dr. Squee podcast. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hope you enjoy it. This is the Sporting Myth special. And now, broadcasting from The Social in Southampton. Online, on your smart speaker and on Facebook Live. Raising money in aid of sport relief. This is the Ministry of Swooping. Please note, this following podcast features bad language. Right from the start. And now, dissecting the week's most shared news stories and separating the truth from the nonsense, it's the Ministry of Swooping. Hello, yes, welcome to what is Season 2, Episode 1 of the Ministry of Swooping, uh, live here at The Social as part of Superpod 2020. We are the podcast that does what you can't be bothered to do. We look into the memes and stories being shared online and tell you if there's any truth to them. And I know it is a stupid name, but then so is Dick Butkus. Uh... We want people to question the unbelievable things that they see online, and we want to cut down on the spread of misinformation, but we do it by having a little bit of fun along the way. Uh, and today, seeing as we're here for Sport Relief, this is a sporting myth special, and I'm your host for today, Al Galpin, the Secretary of State for Nonsense. Uh, and in case you were wondering what have I got to do about sport, well, here are my sporting credentials. It's my uh, baseball card there that I totally didn't just make up last week. Uh, 2005 Christopher Cup winner, which is the in-house football uh, competition for the Valuation Office Agency. N 1991 New Forest East District Division One winner, Cubs football. Ooh. Cubs football, that is. Founder of Redbridge Raiders Softball Club. Ooh. Former Southampton Mustangers number 54. Ooh. You can whip as well. Come on, guys. <laughs> I can't. I thought you were talking to me then. I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> Southampton FC season ticket holder. Thanks to Dad for buying the ticket. Uh, Thank you, ever that man, boys. <laughs> once saved an Ian St John penalty. Ooh. Pierre van Hooydonk once bought me a beer. Ooh. When I was underage. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I got a football question wrong and pointless. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did I never tell you that story, Mum? <laughs> I was 17 on a school trip to see Sky TV Studios. Afterwards, we went to a pub with Pierre van Hoydonk, and he bought me and my mate Ryan a beer. So we were 17. He asked us, do you, want a, do you want a pint? And we looked at each other and looked at our teacher, and our teacher looked at us and said, you can have half. Aww. <laughs> uh, and my guest with me today, he is the host of the Gallifrey Stands podcast, due south by southeast, and the brand new Dr. Squeeze show, which is making its debut here tomorrow. Ooh. It's Dr. Squeeze, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. Ooh. And of course, do you want to see Dr. Squeeze's sporting credentials? Yes. This should be quick. Uh, there's your WWE trading card. <laughs> Thanks for that photo. That's, yeah, that's very flattering. Yeah, Ian is the winner of the bronze, silver and gold swimming certificates. <laughs> oh, yeah. He once made an excellent pass to get around the Tizier at Jumping Jack's nightclub trying to get to the bar. Yep, true. And can often be found doing a marathon of Doctor Who. 
All very true. I, I'm, is that it? I am a bit disappointed you missed off the time when I threw a rolled up bit of rubbish across the room to the bin and very almost got it in. Very almost got it in. Well, very almost doesn't count for this show, I'm afraid. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're in sporting credentials. So we're going to have some <laughs> interesting times talking about these sports stories today. So uh, it's time to get on to the news. Do you think we should get on to the news? Oh, in fact, I believe you have more to that Letizia story. Well, yeah, uh, it was like I was just it was jumping jacks, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know is a, let's face awesome. it, low rent, was a low rent uh, nightclub here in Southampton in Leisure World, which was like a complex of bars and cinema. And just like it's ramp packed on a weekend. I'm trying to push through to get to the bar. And like there's this crowd of people I'm pushing through. I'm really getting grumpy. Like my my throat's getting dry. I kind of push through and suddenly there's Matthew Letizia in the centre being adored by all these people. And my friend's like, oh, it's Matt Letizia. I'm like, oh, it's the bar over there though. Get the hell out of my way. So um, yeah, I'm sorry, a sporting legend doesn't cut it when I need a pint. When everyone needs a drink, you need a drink, you have to go. Exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, Letiz, but uh, I will be in awe of you once my throat is, is wet. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. So we're on to the, the real nitty-gritty of the Ministry of Sweeping, the news of stories. Uh, not really news in this in this instance. The first one, the headline is, Nice Guys Finish Last. Okay. And this specifically is talking about the famous phrase, Nice Guys Finish Last, which has actually been accredited to Baseball Hall of Fame shortstop and later manager, Leo Derocha, who was managing the Dodgers when apparently he said this line in July 1946. So supposedly, this is the origins of that phrase. Now, do you believe that at first Okay, I, I always assumed it was some sort of innuendo based on uh, being considerate to a lady, but uh, we, we will forgo that. Uh, it, oh, I mean, it's one of these things whereby, like, because it's existed all our lives, you just assume that phrase has always existed. Like, no one made it up. It's just a time memorial. Like, when, when man was born, this phrase, like, nice guys finish last, was just accepted as a thing. Yeah. It's uh, one of those phrases as well that you use or you hear, and you don't ever stop to think about, why, where'd that come from? Yeah, um, and plus, like, if if it is true, does that mean we should change ourselves, be less nice, just to win? Maybe. Just, just saying. Just saying is all I'm saying. Just, just saying. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that guy could have made it up. It's uh, yeah. What do you think in to. the room? Do you think that's true? Yeah, yeah, thumbs up. yeah I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Well, the information I found online suggests that he didn't actually utter the saying itself, but did say something along the lines. The, the quote that he apparently said is this. Nice guys, look over there. Do you know a nicer guy than Mel Ott or any of the other giants? Why, they're the nicest guys in the world. And where are they? In seventh place. Nice guys. I'm not a nice guy. I'm here in first place. The nice guys are all over there in seventh place. So what we should say if someone's going, it's like, look, okay, I may not win the day, but at least I'm going to be a nice guy. You should go, well, nice guys, look over there. Do you know a nicer guy than that Mel? Yeah. yeah I, I, so the quote maybe should be, well, nice guys, finish seventh. Yeah, it just it's not catchy. I can it's see why we condensed it down over the yeah. years. So, for reference, in 1946 in baseball, seventh place was last. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so not only do you have to read a paragraph, then you have to put caveat at the end to explain, to explain why that is indeed the last place. So he may not have actually uttered the words themselves, nice guys finish last, but what he was saying effectively is the nice guys have finished last. I, I'm going to say good enough. Well, <laughs> the Witter, if you look up, I looked up nice guy on Wikipedia. Okay. And that says... Was it just a, a picture of Tom Hanks? No, actually, there was no pictures. I should submit one of Tom Hanks, not of myself. Yeah. 
Um, the Wikipedia article for Nice Guy says that it's worth noting that the remark was specific to the context of baseball and indeed to the context of that set of players, rather than intended as a general summation of male-female relationship dynamics or in any other context. And his allegation of a cause-and-effect relationship between being nice and finishing last was at most merely implicit. It can also be interpreted as nice guys, but they will finish last, rather than all nice guys finish last. So that's the second caveat you've got to read out <laughs> whenever you're saying this. Right, so read that paragraph in full. Read the two caveats, the subclauses. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so with that in mind, do you know where the phrase actually came, comes from? Uh, no. Well, it's, bas- it's basically because journalists like to condense things. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's, the headline initially on the, <laughs> on the reporting of the quote. So was, what I said in the first place. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. The show would only be 10 minutes long. Yeah, and you're not on it, Mr. Lees. If if you were right all the time, the show would be very short. So the original headline of the story, written by Ralph Keyes, was Nice Guys Finish 7th. But by the time the article was then republished in Baseball Digest later that year, the quote had then been changed from 7th place to last place. Okay, so... And that's the origins of... So if anyone's listening, in future, just say, nice guys finish last. Or if you listen to the Mystery of Swooping, episode (laughs) number, series two, episode one, one. then I I will continue on this conversation after you've done so. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Tell people to do that. There's another caveat to that, though, isn't there? What's that? Well, the whole journalists don't actually like to condense things. It's just that back then you had to pay for a word to be printed. Right. That's why Americans spell things differently to ours, because, you know, colour without you is cheaper. Just Johnny with the full explanation there. Well, Thank you very much. <laughs> Allegedly, so he read. <laughs> he's come all this way and he's already, already blown me up. Okay, so um, nice guys finish last. Listen to the podcast, then give a, have a brief lecture from just Johnny, and then you're up to date. <laughs> Johnny's like, there's nothing brief about it. I'll have you know, my lecture is in full. So that's the truth behind that. Anyway, that's that's our first story. But obviously he didn't mind that he wasn't behind it because as you can see from the picture on the screen there, the title of his autobiography is Nice Guys Finish Last. So while he didn't actually create those words in that sentence in that order, he has taken them. He has owned that. Story number two. Okay, status, not quite. He didn't quite say it. Sorry, I forgot about the status. So story number two. The headline is... I did so well on this when I was listening to it the other week. I got it, like all the stories right. right. I'm just going to get nothing today. Good, because we've got a quiz coming up later as well. Uh, yeah, the, the 10 mis- out of 10 on the quiz as well. The Didn't Mysterious Montague is the headline. And this is the story of John Montague, who took Hollywood's golf scene by storm in the early 30s. He could do it all on the course and became a local legend, yet for some reason refused to enter any major tournaments and refused public recognition. The mystery ended when Montague was revealed to actually be a fugitive from New York named Laverne Moore. <laughs> what do you think? Truth or nonsense? I, I, oh, I, I, I'm a bit disappointed by the end of it. I just like the idea that it's like, uh, I'm great at this sport. Look how good I am. Are you going to play professionally? No, sod you. Like, that's so New York. <laughs> Uh, it sounds as though, on the base of it, that he didn't want to any recognition in case someone recognised him from from being that from New York, being that fugitive. Yeah, I mean, it's although I do like there's something very male about this. That it's like, uh, look, I'm on the I'm on the lam. Better keep a low profile. No one's going to discover me. But I better show people how good I am at this sport <laughs> <Yes>. privately. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm sure if I don't take up professionally, no one will figure it out. Yeah, if you really wanted to lay low. You just not play 
Yeah, I mean, was he actually actually a professional golfer in his previous life? (laughs) Well, shall we find out? Uh, I'm going to say it is... Oh, I want this to be true. That's just too 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 cool. What about the room? Do the room feel it's true? Yeah. Yeah, we've got some yeses. Uh, Okay, so again, reading from Wikipedia. Lee, stop doing a thumbs up on mic. Just say yes. (laughs) The last time I spoke, you shouted at me, Squee, and said, and you're not on it. So I'm just being quiet now. What do you want to do? I want you to speak when you're spoken to, (laughs) Mr. Lee's. I'm losing the room. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so again, this is another quote from Wikipedia. And he only sticks with me because the sex is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Hey Oh dear. Al's regretting this already. When's two o'clock? No. Um, (laughs) So, Wikipedia says of John Montague that he was an American golfer, also played some minor league baseball under the name Laverne Moore, which was his original birth name. He was in charge with armed robbery and assault over a 1930 case in Upper New York State and was then acquitted in 1937. Uh, Montague's life was covered in mystery and numerous stories about his extraordinary golf skills and physical strength. At the time of his arrest, he lived with Esther Plunkett, and their friends believed that they were married. After he left jail, he couldn't regain his previous golf shape due to the weight he'd gained in prison and lack of practice. And after that, he has focused on his real estate business and private golf matches with celebrities. In 1937, he had a charity game against Babe Ruth, Babe Didrikson and Sylvana Annenberg, which drew approximately 10,000 spectators. Uh, Montague qualified for the 1940 US Open, but performed poorly. He later died of heart problems in obscurity in California in 1972. And there's also a little uh, article there on the screen uh, from a newspaper that I found. It says, Montague legally drops name. And basically, once he was acquitted in 1937, which he did so, apparently, according to the article, with help from uh, Bing Crosby and Oliver Hardy and other film friends. Uh, He got acquitted. Uh, He then legally changed his name to the name that he'd adopted when he moved to California because he didn't want the old name associated with him anymore. Well, they don't mention is at one stage he did break out of jail. He lived as a woman for a year. Then he entered the female open and he was discovered once more. <laughs> so, yeah, this one is true. Bling! true it needs a sound story. effect for when you reveal the truth. Yeah, I should have done that. False or Maybe I'll go back to the floor. Have I not planned enough for you? Yeah, I don't think you've done enough planning. Uh, <laughs> whatever, how many, however many hours of podcast? You, twenty uh, Planning 20 hours of podcasting isn't enough. Yeah. 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 You've let yourself down now. <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do next week? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Uh, we'll move on to story number, story number three, which is golf robot scores hole in one. Okay. How's that? I, I, I'm him? in. <laughs> yeah, it's a good headline, right? So this and it turns out it was that same guy on the lamp. He dressed himself as a robot this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the a video of a robot that appeared on Reddit in October, which appears to show him hitting a hole in one. But people were unsure whether it was real or a CGI hoax. Um, I think this is true, but what it turns out is the uh, the robot had secretly planted loads of balls all over the course beforehand, and you know, just yeah. he rigged it. Uh, part of me thinks that this robot looks a little bit like Johnny Five. He does a little bit actually. It's like this a prototype Johnny Five. Yeah. Would you like to see the video? Oh please. How about this? Yesterday. A robot taking a swipe at this, David, and what else would you expect here at the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Really, that robot is called Eldrick. How's this? And both Eldricks have done that at 16. 
about that? Over here could that happen. There we go. I'm sorry, I was too distracted by the fact that they're on the little video screen, which is a face, they've just got a look, couple of eyes and a little mouth looking, yeah. yee! There we go, you can see it on the screen there. It's got a, it's got a little screen as a face. <laughs> the rest of the robot looks so primitive, basically, yeah. and then you've got this video screen face. And I think maybe that's why people thought this can't be real, because it just looks like some kind of weird cartoon. It's like everything else is built for practicality on this, not for aesthetics. And it's like, oh, give him a little face, though. Come on. So CBS News has reported that this is Eldrick, which stands for Launch Directional Robot Intelligence Circuitry. Uh, He was developed by Golf Laboratories, a robotics company that develops machines like this one to test out new golf club designs. Pro golfer Gary McCord collaborated with the company on the robot. Eldrick has a pretty powerful swing, can hit a ball at up to 130 miles an hour, and can replicate the swing of any golfer out there, its developers say. This is a genuine video of a robot golfer hitting a hole in one. And he gets 10 miles to the gallon. (laughs) (laughs) The video was filmed in 2016 at the TPC Scottsdale Golf Course in Arizona and shows the robot called Eldrick, uh, which is actually, do you know why they called it Eldrick? no, because they've obviously it's not just that it's called the Launch Directional Robot Intelligence Secretary because that is a mouthful. That's not something you've they've deliberately come up with that name. Is it because he's part Viking? Eldrick is the real name of Tiger Woods. Ah, uh, obviously not just starting with an L. There's an E at the beginning. Uh, but yeah, Eldrick is Tiger Woods. So that is. Ta-roo! Hey, look at that! This is unusual for this this podcast. We're three stories in, and two of them actually true. Hey. <laughs> so this is something new. But I do like that. But I can understand why people thought it was CGI. Because it just looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love these kind of robots. Like, you know, whenever we see these visions of the future, they're always so slick, and they look so kind of, like, humanoid, and they're just built to be pretty. And they've gone, no, we'll just, just do, like, a... Do you know what it is? Big engine at the tummy. I've, <laughs> just, I've just thought what it, what it is. Uh, it's, it is a cross between Johnny Five and Happy Gilmore. Oh no. And plus, I do also love that. Swing. I know so much about sports. I just almost call it a golf cue. Golf cue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it works. Yeah. If people understand what you mean, then. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> this I like this one. I must admit. Who ate all the pies? Uh, it was me. Yeah. Well, if there were vegan pies, maybe. Uh, yes, this is a story about William Fatty Falk who was six foot four and reportedly weighed almost 24 stone, was Chelsea's first ever goalkeeper, once chased a referee after a game while naked, ate 11 breakfasts in one sitting, is the reason ball boys exist, and according to legend, was the original subject to the famous football chant, who ate all the pies. And there we got a photo of him. Well, for a start, if you're going to name him Fatty as his middle name, you were always setting him <laughs> up for failure, quite frankly. Oh, funny feeling that might be a nickname. You think? <laughs> Uh, although he is my new sporting hero, who you know, I, I want him to exist basically. And this is it. this is a picture of him. I can't remember what year this photo was, but that's him playing for uh, Sheffield United, which was his his team for most of his career. This is great. Do you want to hear more of the story? Oh, please! <laughs> if there's more to the legend, I want to hear it. There is more to this legend. Whoa, 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 there's the a legend is covered by us, alright? <laughs> <laughs> there is more to this story. Uh, unfortunately, the BBC says most of it probably isn't true. But what is not disputed is that he existed from 1874 to 1916. He was a goalkeeper who spent most of his career with Sheffield United, followed by spells at Chelsea and Bradford. 
And as photos attest, he was indeed a very big bloke. Uh, the average height for a man in the UK at the start of the 20th century was about 5 foot 8, and Fawkes towered above his peers at 6 foot 4. His ample frame didn't go to waste. It's believed that at the peak of his career, he weighed about 14 stone, and by the end was north of 21. So already the, the initial story was a bit as uh, over. I thought you were gonna. I, I thought you were gonna maybe get me on technicality. It was true, but he actually ate 13 breakfasts <laughs> at one sitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the subs breakfast as well. Uh, the story continues that there are differing accounts of where and when an incident took place, but it's told that he once got, got into a dining room of a hotel, and he, he, and, his, he and his teammates were staying at and he polished off all 11 breakfasts before everyone else got up so that's the, the true bit of the story that's supposedly there's different versions of it out there and no one can actually confirm or deny that so i'm going to take it as true because it's a hilarious story i i just wish people at home like please look this guy up because the the picture just you know you have to see this it. this next one is true this next one is it has corroborating evidence to it uh, and it's not to tale following the 1902 FA Cup final which saw Sheffield United concede a controversial late equaliser to Southampton in which tales of Falk naked and dripping from the shower rampaging after the referee uh, some variations also having ripping off a cupboard door to get to him but he did apparently chase the referee after the game he was so mad about the goal uh, what's this pre-video footage um, I, th I believe so I that's probably for the best it's certainly in the dressing rooms there's no video then of that that's for sure but uh, from stories from the other people at the time who confirmed that he did indeed chase after the referee. Uh, so having helped put Sheffield United on the map, he was then tasked with doing the same for a newly formed club in West London called Chelsea. He would stay only a year at Stamford Bridge before the draw of his family, who'd remained in the north, grew too great. But his impact was considerable. One probably, again, tall tale... Impact? Is that a weight joke? <laughs> it might have been. Uh, there's a tall tale that suggests that the placement of young men behind the goal at Chelsea Games principally to exaggerate false size is the origin of what we now know as ball points. Wow, I, I, yeah. So they deliberately put shorter people behind him to make him look bigger. <laughs> and then they're like, well, while you're there, be useful, pick the ball up. Actually, uh, after hearing some of the stories about him, I, I, I wish they didn't put children around <laughs> him too much. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, after this guy's running around naked. Let's put kids by him. Yay! <laughs> well, not on the pitch he wasn't. He might have been, you never know. Oh, I, I so pictured it like a Jimmy Hill sketch. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> Benny oh, Jimmy Hill. Hill, Benny Hill. <laughs> I'm getting into the football theme too much here. It's a Benny Hill sketch. So, like, it started off in the dressing room. By the end, they're, they're running across the pitch, down the street. Like, uh, police women are following them. There's you a, know, there's it's, a it's deep a fake thing. someone should do. Someone should take the Benny Hill show and, and deep fake Jimmy Hill's face on it. That would be hilarious. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The anyway. Jimmy Hill show was a completely different program. <laughs> He, after leaving Chelsea, he only played one more season uh, at the recently formed Bradford City before his body gave up on him. He had a leg injury, leg injury which, was what, uh, him, which was made worse by the fact that he was quite a big fella. And then he also got diagnosed with cirrhosis, which was on his death certificate and eventually killed him. So, But even his retirement was fertile ground for legend, the article says. An oft-repeated myth has him living out his final years in poverty as a sad sideshow attraction attraction on Blackpool Beach, saving penalties from holidaymakers for a penny a shot. Uh, so finally, the suggestion, which is actually a suggestion made in the Penguin Book of Clichés, that he was the original subject of the Who It All The Pies chant. So there are some facts to establish uh, when we consider whether this can be true or not. Okay, we, we need to do play by play on Fatty. So... You know, this, you know the chant? You wrote all the pies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 I have a childhood full of that chant. I used to be so four stone heavier people. It's like, uh, yeah. I know the chant well. 
And what? the answer was me. <laughs> so what's uh, what's the tune that it's sung to? Um, who ate all the pies? Yeah. Who ate all the pies? So what's, so what's you've had, you've had. Who ate all the pies? Yeah. So what's the tune? What's the original song? Knees up, Mother Brown. Knees up, Mother Brown. Yes. Yeah. So who ate all the pies? Sung to the tune of Knees up, Mother Brown. Uh, from everything I can find online, Knees up, Mother Brown originated in 1918. Oh, oh, this is forensic. Hawk here. Hawk died in 1916. <laughs> what of it? So the they, they might have started on a different tune and then they updated they it. They might have done. They might have done, but the tune as they, they used it, to sing it to the Charleston, <laughs> which is a dance, not a song. So I don't know how that works, but they did. From also from the twenties. Yeah, what of it? I don't um, see the anyway, problem here. Um, so it's highly unlikely that the song as the chant as we know <laughs> it is based on him. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, this one I think it's highly unlikely that it's true, I and mean, there seems to be a lot of myths around this guy. Everyone's exaggerated everything over the years. So it's, it's I mean, d- no, it doesn't mean it's untrue. It just means it was a tribute chant to him, who ate yeah. all the pies, who ate all the pies, and they saluted that Fatty guy that died a they did years it. ago. Yeah, it? yeah, it was him. It was him. And no one it had any pies been. after that. There date. is no way of confirming that version of the of the story. And that's why we still so don't have pies in England. <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Losing control. It's only up one. Yeah. We're already on to story number five. Babe Ruth put cabbage under his baseball cap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is reported on fanbuzz.com, which says the one-time home-run king Babe Ruth was not just using beer to hydrate as he punished opposing pitchers, he was using cabbage as well. Um, basically. Oh, if you look at him in that picture, the, the cap is raised a bit. It does look like it's being held alive. <laughs> it's at a jaunty angle. It's just at a jaunty Th- angle. There was a lot of cabbage. That's why it's up there. It might be a lot of cabbage yeah. or a lot of something else. Uh, basically, this, the story says, when standing in the centre field under hot sun, a cap doesn't always do the trick of keeping you cool. And since he couldn't have an ice-cold beer out on the field, George Herman Ruth Jr. had to find another way to keep himself chilled. It didn't help that until years after he retired from Major League Baseball, uniforms were typically made of wool, so standing in the blistering sun would have left players boiling and covered in sweat. But the babe had found a way to help himself and eventually teach the trick to his teammates. Babe Ruth would take leaves of cabbage and lay them out over the icebox until they were nice and cold then lay it over his head whilst wearing his hat. The use of cabbage to keep himself cool may have been the healthiest choice he made in the majors, usually practising a pretty rough diet and sporting the look of a professional food competitor rather than an athlete. Well, um, not only... I mean, I think I've heard this story before. Not only is it true, but uh, you've missed out a few vegetables. He had some cucumber (laughs) by his armpits. Right, Okay. He had uh, spinach in his shoes. And don't ask where he put his cherry tomatoes. He had a full salad on, on him. In his gloves. At any given time. Yeah, in his gloves. Full salad. <laughs> they Babe got Ruth squashed. Salad. Yeah. He doesn't look like a man who knows his way around a salad. Well, ironically, he, he, he covered himself in salad, but then they named a chocolate bar after him. <laughs> that, that chocolate bar is iron, irony personified. No, the baby, the baby root. And, what? Yeah. Well, the fact that they <laughs> used the story also... No, it's American chocolate I'm, I'm winning against. It's not chocolate, is it? No, exactly. It's not, cho- not legally it's not chocolate. chocolate. Not just country anyway. No. Uh, so, story about that another day, maybe. Ah, oh, chocolate special. I'm going to do a chocolate special episode. Nice. And I will try all the chocolate as, research, as research. 
Back to the Babe Ruth salad. <laughs> Back to the Babe Ruth salad, yeah. Well, the, the story also mentions the fact that he used to drink ice cold beer to keep him cool during games, obviously not while he was out on the field. But that's a, a story apparently that used to go around a lot, that he would um, eat hot dogs and drink beer whilst in the dugout. Well, um, that, that's also why his cap's so high, because he'd have the lettuce leaves, he'd have a beer on top of it, which would be kept cool also by the lettuce leaf. It was a whole thing. Whole he, BL, he, he'd not have a whole BLT up there. <laughs> he would uh, so, but that apparently that part of it's been be debunked. As much as he loved beer, he didn't drink it during the game. Um, but do you know how much he did love beer? How much? Uh, this is a photo of him in his apartment with his own personal kegerator. Kegerator. A refrigerated keg. I I just love that word for a start. It's great, isn't it? Can't you have I one of those in your own house? It's the fact that he he's got his pipe on, on the he's go at the same time. Yeah, That's pretty nice. His, uh, silk pajamas. I'm going to picture of himself, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't have one ab above your kegerator? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> what gentleman does not have a picture of themselves above their kegerator? Um, anyway, so do you want to know the truth? There's <laughs> <laughs> a photo of a man with cabbage on his head. It Sorry, I'm now just openly laughing at stuff <laughs> the audience at home cannot see. This There's is a, a picture a of him with a lettuce leaf yeah, on top of it. This is uh, from Kids in the Hall. If you search cabbage on head, that is the picture that comes up. For, for, I mean, as if we haven't all searched cabbage We've on your head one time or another. To be fair, the, with the things I've searched for these stories, my internet service provider is going to wonder what the hell is going on with me. Yep. Golf robots, cabbage on head. It's... <laughs> anyway, uh, the truth... Naked football player chasing after ball boys or something like that. According very to disturbing. biography.com, the babe introduced his teammates to an unusual technique for keeping cool... He pried the leaves off a head of cabbage and spread them over the ice in a cooler. When they were sufficiently chilled, a leaf under the cap would supply much needed relief for a few innings before needing to be replaced. A large man with an extra large noggin, the babe was said to require two leaves to the method to be fully effective. And considering his legendary appetite for hot dogs, this was probably the closest he came to ingesting any vegetables. He is not the only player to do this. In 2005, the Daily Mail wrote an article which says... South Korea's baseball players have been banned from putting frozen cabbage leaves under their caps to beat the summer heat. The Korea baseball organization took action after Doosnam Bears pitcher Park Myung Hwan's cap fell off during a game last weekend, revealing his secret cooling agent. <laughs> after an emergency <laughs> meeting, KBO officials ruled that cabbage leaves are a distraction and cannot be considered part of the baseball uniform. Uh, Park, who twice dropped leaves on the mound during last Sunday's game against the Hanwha Eagles, said that he was disappointed with the ruling but would not appeal. I'm sensitive to the heat, and my wife recommended I put frozen cabbage leaves under my cap to keep cool my head, he said. I will respect the KBO's decision. Even without the cabbage, my pitching won't be affected. But like the babe, he had followed up, and he'd put asparagus on his shins, <laughs> he'd got some celery around his waist, he, he had the full salad too. Yeah. And what is it about cabbage that stays cool so long? Water? Not get something else that... Cannot. Someone can design a baseball cap that has some kind of lining that you can put in the freezer. I still just love the fact they were so bent out of shape that, it, that he put some vegetables on his head. I was like, why did that annoy them so much? Have you not ever put... I remember you've been joking about where he's put all this stuff. Have you never used a food stuff to soothe a headache or something like that? Frozen peas? I have. I'm all in favour of it. It's the I'm same kind of method, but yeah, it just I looks ridiculous. I, I've got a uh, full bag of frozen sweet corn on my person right now. Don't ask where again. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so that story, again, is true. Hey! But can you imagine if he actually had a leaf this size on his head and then put his cap on? You'd see it underneath, wouldn't you? 
Unless maybe his cap was green. And then he's been away with it in certain teams. Uh, so there we go, that's story number five. We'll move on to what is actually our final story today. Football team advances in cup by deliberately scoring an own goal. Which okay. doesn't make any sense, does it, if you know the rules of football? Uh, this is a story that comes online. It's in regards to Barbados versus Grenada in the 1994 Shell Caribbean Cup group stage. And the story written online says, Barbados needed to win the game by two clear goals in order to progress to the next round. Now, the trouble was caused by a daft rule in the competition, which stated that in the event of the game going to penalty kicks, the winner of the penalty kicks would be awarded a 2-0 victory. Uh, it also goes on to say that with five minutes to go, Barbados were leading 2-1 and going out of the tournament. Then they realised they were probably not going to score against Grenada's massed mass defence. They turned around, deliberately scored in their own goal to level the scores and take the game into penalties. Uh, Granada themselves not being stupid realised what was going on and they attempted to score in their own goal themselves however <laughs> the Barbados players started defending their own opponent, their opponent's goal to prevent this <laughs> in the last five minutes spectators were treated to the incredible sight of both teams defending their opponent's goal against attackers desperately trying to score an own goal and goalkeepers trying to throw the ball into their own net the game went to penalties which Barbados won so were awarded a 2-0 victory and progressed to the next round I'm not sure I even follow all that, but I want it to be true so badly. <laughs> what about the room? Does the room think that's true? Is it too crazy to be true? We're getting nods from the people. Oh, in the I, oh I, shake of the head there as well. I mean, we do like our, our rules in football. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the how passionate some people get about the offside rule. I, like, yeah, I believe they, they put in something insane here. Well, you know what? When I was looking into it, do you know what I found? Go on. I found a video. Hey! So I will let... Uh, Mark and Lard, of all people, explain actually what happened. Now here's a weird one. Barbados versus Grenada in the Shell Cup 1994. Barbados need to win by two clear goals to qualify for the finals. Right. With the score at 2-0, Grenada pull one back, it's 2-1. Right. So, Barbados need to take the game into extra time, where, bizarrely, goals count double. I see. Therefore, they score an own goal to take them to extra time, where they score the one they need. Ah, yeah. No, I don't get it. Run that by me again. Barbados need to win by two clear goals to qualify for the finals. There we go. I mean, first of all, I feel like we should explain for some of the listeners, Mark and Lard, uh, they're, they're radio <laughs> DJs, aren't they? They were radio yeah. DJs, yes, yeah. so they still are separately. They're not as a duo anymore, I don't think. And in case there's any American listeners, by football, we, we actually mean football, not, we mean not, football. not what you play. Yeah. Uh, so I also found there's a book from 2005 called Sports Law by Simon Gardner, who actually wrote about what happened. He's written, needing to beat Grenada by two clear goals to qualify for the finals in Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados had established a 2-0 lead midway through the second half and were seemingly well in control of the game. However, an own goal made the score 2-1 and brought a new ruling into play which led to farce. Under the new rule, devised by the competition committee to ensure a result, a match decided by sudden death in extra time was deemed to be an equivalent of a 2-0 victory. With three minutes remaining, the score still 2-1, Grenada took about to qualify for the finals Barbados realised that their only chance lay in taking the match to sudden death they stopped attacking their opponent's goal and turned on their own in the 87th minute two defenders exchanged passes before one of them handed the ball past his own goalkeeper for the equaliser as we've just seen uh, the opposition momentarily stunned by the goal realised too late what was happening and immediately started to attack their own goal as well to stop sudden death Seeley though had anticipated the response and stood beside the Granada goalkeeper as they defended their opponent's goal Granada were unable to score at either end. The match ended to all after 90 minutes, and after just four minutes of extra time, 
Someone scored the winner for Barbados amid scenes of celebration and laughter in the National Stadium in Bridgetown. James Clarkson, the Grenadian coach, provided an unusual variation to the disappointed manager's speech. I feel cheated, he said. The person who came up with these rules must be a candidate for the madhouse. The game should never be played with so many players on the field confused. Our players didn't know which direction to attack, our goal or their goal. I've <laughs> never seen this happen before. In football, you're supposed to score against the opponents to win, not for them. See, the problem is I probably get distracted at the crucial mi- moment when they switch tactics to try and score yeah. in their own goal. I'd be off. You would probably. Be I'd, be, off, I'd you? probably be off putting some uh, some happened. letters underneath my hat, <laughs> and uh, and I'd be having a pie. I'd come back. I go right. I charge towards the goal, score a goal very proudly. They go, no, no, we're going for our goal now. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine why they got confused. Literally, because it's never happened before. Yeah, and <laughs> you would just hang on. Has, has extra time started already? What? What? What's going on? It sounds like the sort of like uh, you know, again, like these obscure rules. I, I like about uh, any sport when they've got just a rule which makes no sense. Like on a leap year, then uh, if you <laughs> if you score when a pigeon's going That's past, double. you get triple. I know. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. I like it. People would be setting off pigeons very deliberately then, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I even take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just come up with this and you guys like, ah, yeah, but what if people <laughs> set off pigeons on purpose? Well, that's where the anti-pigeon rule came in. Oh, uh, of course, yeah, the anti-pigeon penalty. The, the anti-pigeon the rule APP. of 93. The APP, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that story is actually completely true. <laughs> Bizarrely. The most bizarre thing, I, I don't know how I've got to the age of 40 and never seen that before, because that is the most unbelievable thing in football I've ever seen. That's brilliant. I, I actually, I'm it. gaining more and more respect for this sport as, as we go through these. <laughs> it's good that you're so good on sport, because, because that is now the end of our main news section. Uh, so this is the first episode of, of a new series, so if anyone out there has seen something online, has heard something down the pub, you want to know if it's true, let us know, we'll take a look at it, and... Uh, We'll discuss it on a future episode, maybe. You can get in touch with us via Twitter and Instagram, where we are at MOSwooping. You can email us at MOSwooping at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail on Anchor, where we are, you guessed it, MOSwooping. Plus, we have a Facebook page, where you can get updates from us, as well as a Facebook group, where you can join the community and share stories that you found. Uh, you can work out what those are called, I'm sure. Uh, but now, it's time for the Ministry of Swooping Fact Check Quiz. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there's no theme for it. But thank you for creating Yeah, so I fill it. Well, it that. does now. It's dun, 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 dun. I'll use that recording in future. Yeah. I'll use that in yeah. future. Thank, thank you. you, Mr. Lee. Uh, so each week, my guest is given a series of 10 facts and has to judge whether they are true or false. We then place them on the Ministry of Sweeping fact-checking leaderboard. Currently, there are four names joint top of that chart. Jim Cliff from the Fallacious Trump, Karen Robinson from Primarily 2020, Jack and Adder from Totally Unprepared Politics, and Kitty Galpin from Being My Wife, all scored <laughs> 7 out of 10. Being my wife, is that the name of her Being podcast? Yeah, yeah, we'll make that yeah. up. Yeah, so they all scored 7 out of 10. And then Matt Lees from Legend in My Spare Time rounds out the list in last place with 6 out of 10. Sorry, Thanks, Ma- Matt's literally the only person never to have got 6, 7 out of 10 on this quiz. Uh, so, oh, brilliant. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I but this is, this is, this is Dr. Genuinely, doing I, sports check. Genuinely. Him, I don't care what happens. <laughs> to prepare, I listened back to, to your last episode. Uh, That's by no the way, preparation. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't, wasn't my point, but thank you. Uh, and I got 10 out of 10. I was like, oh, crud, that's going to mean I'm just going to get zero on the day. So so here goes. Okay, so. Although if you did want to ask the same questions, I'm liking that idea now. Oh, are, you, yeah. are you ready yeah. for this, Ian? Yeah. So, 
fact number one. Bill Ripkin's 1989 Fleer baseball card includes the words F face written on the end of his baseball bat. True or false? I mean, it's it literally... It, I take it is meant to be yes, the whole word. The whole you word. Know, the, the, the out the word. I'm going to go false on that You're one. You're going to go false? I heard some true in the audience there. Do you want to see? Ah. There's, there's the actual card. Goes in 10 out of 10. Oh, hang on. Really there goes the extra card. Where is it? Where's the card? It is true. There's the card. Wow. Um, if you want a closer view, there it is. Wow. Uh, do we know why? Um, apparently, he was. Just and did he know? He, no, he did not know. <laughs> the story that I've read online that is that he didn't know. There was He was there posing for the photo for his card. They said, Oh, why don't you pick up a bat? And he picked one out of the list, and someone had written that on it um, <laughs> to separate it from the others. The other ones had a hole. It had. Check <laughs> the bottom of your bike, squeak. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dirty limerick. <laughs> Number two. The first yellow tennis ball was used at Wimbledon in 1986. First yellow tennis. So I'm taking it this was to be like visible. Uh, 86. No, it's got to be before that. Yeah, they were using a big ball yeah. before. I mean, you, you say less words than this on your own bloody podcast. And you'll never know it. He just sleeps during his. <laughs> so, did you say false, Ian? Yeah, I reckon it was um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I'll it's true. crying out loud. Uh, since 1877, Wimbledon used the original white tennis balls. However, in 1986, in order to make them easier to see on TV, they switched to yellow for the first time. That's it. I'm going for a perfect zero. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. I want to get these all wrong. Michael Phelps has won more Olympic gold medals than Greece. That is, I should clarify for those listening, he's won more Olympic gold medals than Greece has won gold medals. Not that he's won one more gold medals than he's won Greece. He, he never won the country of Greece then? No, or the item of Greece. <laughs> what what greasy item? <laughs> yeah, but on audio. They yeah, it's a podcast, innit? That's why I said audio. Innit? Yeah, I don't know why, you, don't know why Squeeze confused. He shouldn't be confused. <laughs> <laughs> it says right there. I, Stop stalling and answer the question, Squeeze. Yeah, true or false, Ian? Come on. I will answer in the fullness of time. Right. Um, I'm going to go with that stream. Nope. False. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, perfect is. zero. Perfect zero. <laughs> it's false. He has 23 gold medals, which is more than Ireland, who have nine, North Korea, who have 16, and Jamaica, who have 22, but less than Greece, who have 33. If he was a country, he'd rank number 39 on the all-time Olympic gold medal list, which is pretty impressive. Unlike my score so far. Unlike your score so far. So you're doing well here. So to, to get onto that seven, I've got to score everything You've got to score from more. Here to beat Matt, so you've got to get them all right. right yeah. Yeah, no, it's, don't worry, not no, going to happen. No Congratulations, pressure. Mr. Lee. No pressure. Average NFL player career lasts less than four years. True or false? False. True. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is going okay, every time I get one wrong, I want everyone to applaud from now. We're going for perfect zero here. An NFL players' union study determined that the average NFL career lasts 3.3 years, with running backs at 2.57 years, wide receivers at 2.81, and cornerbacks at 2.94 having the shortest career by average. The longest NFL careers are punters at 4.87 years. Number five. Major League Baseball umpires are required to wear black underwear while on the job in case they split their trousers. True or false? <laughs> true! <laughs> it is true! Yay! 
He's got one right. I want to go perfect zero. <laughs> Number six. Former Liverpool and Southampton goalkeeper Bruce Grobelaar once severed a tendon in his toe when he dropped a gra- jar of salad cream. True or false? See, all I can think of now is if, if I just get the rest of them wrong, I've got one. Like, I think it's a perfect zero had a quiet dignity to it. But so you're going to try and um, get more then? What do you reckon? True or false? I'm going to say true. No, it's false. Ah. And do you know why it's false, anyone? Because it didn't happen to him, it happened to Dave Besson. Did Trick happen. question. Did happen. Uh, number seven. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle played in goal for Portsmouth. True or false? Oh, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> true. True. It's so ridiculous. I'm going to go for it. It is true. Hey! Uh, the author of Sherlock Holmes played football as a goalkeeper for Portsmouth Association Football Club and an amateur side under the pseudonym of A.C. Smith whilst he was living in Southsea. Cool. There you go. So I believe they named A.C. Slater after. <laughs> Number eight, there have been three Olympic say games. Bell, just for my homie Lees. There have been three Olympic Games held in countries that no longer exist. True or false? Yeah, go on, I'll go for that. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Can you name those countries? See, now I'm just pooping out points. Um, no. <laughs> Any ideas? Point Anyone? Point for uh, no. False Estonia. Uh, <laughs> don't exist as Stan. The countries in question were 1972 in Munich, West Germany, 1980 in Moscow, Soviet Union, and 1984 in Sarajevo, Yugoslavia. Of course, none of those countries technically exist anymore. Cool. Number nine, it takes 300 cows to supply the NFL with enough leather for a year's supply of football. True or false? Again, yeah, that seems plausible. It's, it's going to be like 301, isn't it? It's going to be a trick question. Um, to the nearest cow. To the nearest cow. To the nearest no half cows count. <laughs> <laughs> to the nearest hundred. Uh, yeah, go on. You going I'll, I'll go for that. No, one. it's false. Okay. It's 3,000. Wow. 3,000 cows for enough leather for all the NFL footballs. But those cows were Nazi sympathizers, so it's, it's not all bad. <laughs> Number 10. <laughs> Terry Wogan, Sir Terry, once held the record for the longest televised putt in golf history. Yeah, yeah, go on. I'm going for it. I'm going to bite. It's true. Yeah. It is true. In 1981, Sir Terry wowed the golfing world by sinking a 99-foot putt at the Glen Eagles golf course. But the TV record is now actually held by Dave Peltz, who holed from 206 feet in 2004 while filming a segment for the Golf Channel. Even the aforementioned Michael Phelps has to Terry beat with a 159-foot putt in 2012. But for those who want to see it, here's Sir Terry. There's a good one. There's a good putt right there. Pretty good. Well, funny enough, when I uh, came to do the show, I did say, as long as I got any questions about Woken Right, I'll be okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I stuck to my credo there. You've done all right. <laughs> Obviously, I've totally forgotten to keep count. Did you, how many did you get? It's 27 three? out of 10. 27 out of 10, which puts you at the bottom of the leaderboard, because that's a lie. Can <laughs> <laughs> uh, you re-clarify the leaderboard? Uh, the leaderboard now is we at the bottom. Was it four or five? I, I, I think it's four. I think it's four. No, no, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's four. Right. Well, 
he's still worse than you. Yeah, four five. You can have four. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Now, slow's coming to a close, so before we go... Wait a minute, you can have four. I got four. Damn you. Yeah, you got four. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why you can have four, because yes. that's how many oh, you've got. I'll generously <laughs> give you the points you earned. <laughs> Six minutes to go. You're fine. Uh, so before we go, a bit of begging for me. If you've anyone who's listening to me for the first time and you've liked what you've heard, obviously it's a little bit different today because it's live, but do come and find us online, hit that subscribe button, make sure you don't miss any future when we finally get the rest of season two going in a few weeks. Also, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias and send us any news stories you want looking into. Um, the contact details are up on screen for anyone in the room, and I've already given them out, so I'm not going to do that again. Uh, have you got anything else to add? Screen? A big shout out to my girlfriend, Nicola, who's listening with our dog, Benny. Hey, Benny. Hey. And hey, Nicola, by the way. I didn't mean to just ignore Nicola. Yeah. Only say hello to the girlfriend, or the dog. I said hi to you, Nicola. Yeah, it's fine. Well, we're coming towards the end, so I'm going to do a quick uh, fundraising. No, I'm not, because I haven't got anything ready. I won't do a fundraising update at all. But what I'm going to do is we're going to end for our show today by saying goodbye and from playing a uh, a little clip talking about some of the work that Sport Relief and Comic Relief do. So we want you to give the money. Uh, you. Please donate. We've got anyone who's in the room. We've got various things around to stick coins in. Uh, there are also tickets available to buy for the evening show tonight. You can go to superpod.co.uk forward slash tickets. And you can buy tickets. Uh, or you can donate online. Head to superpod.co.uk again. Top right hand corner, there's a button that says donate. It takes you to our Just Giving page. Uh, and you can donate money on there. So I say thank you very much for that. Uh, now I will leave you, like I say, with this clip of Billy Connolly talking about some of the work that Comic Relief do. Not for me, obviously. I've got cancer and Parkinson's and I definitely need a haircut, but no. This is Bob. We made a film about him. Loneliness was his enemy. One evening she turned round and she looked at me and she said, Where's Bob? And I'm Bob. And the bottom dropped out of my world then. This is Jo. She was diagnosed with dementia at just 57 years old. It was a devastating discovery for her and her husband. I made an appointment with the GP, and she said, Un unfortunately, you've got early onset, early onset Alzheimer's. And this is Margaret, struggling to cope with the loss of her husband, the love of her life. Where do you go when your soulmate, partner, lover has gone? There's nowhere, nowhere to go. And you, you amazing people out there, young, old, and somewhere in between, your cash helped people like this, grand people who life has dealt a really tough hand. And I'd ask you tonight to do it again, or for the first time, although if it's the first time, you probably don't even know me. I'll just introduce myself. I'm the hilarious comedian with a wee and beard who once took off all my clothes for comic relief. But that's not what matters. What matters is you tonight at home and this amazing power to completely change someone's life, to give them hope and happiness. I really hope you'll find it in your hearts to give a quid or two to people at Bob. It'll be simple and marvelous and you'll be so proud of yourselves. You can be part of a sort of life-saving miracle tonight if you can just part with a few Bob. Thank you, Billy Conley.
オブラナル。